This is the podcast by Chicago in Arabic, featuring stories and ideas coming out of the Arab and Arab American communities in Chicago and around the nation. Coming to you from Chicago, these are your hosts, Malik Abdusamad and Anwar Gibran. So welcome to this episode um, of our podcast. Um, we have really interesting guests here. We really appreciate you guys spending the time and coming and being with us. So we have the co-founders of Safina Ice Cream. So thank you for being here, guys, and you know, let us know a little bit about your background. Yeah, so thank you for inviting us. We're extremely excited to be part of this episode and uh, be part of this uh, amazing uh, community. Uh, so my name is Mohamed Omeis, and I'm one of the co-founders of Safina Ice Cream. Yeah, and uh, my name is Zane. I'm also a co-founder of Safina. And kind of add on to what Mohamed said, I'm uh, really excited to see what comes out of this and uh, uh, you know, to listen to the final product. Um, to delve uh, a little deeper, to start this off about myself, um, I was born in Lebanon, uh, lived there for seven years. And uh, after that, my family and I immigrated to uh, the United States, where we lived in New York for a while. And then we ended up in uh, Dearborn, Michigan, uh, because of the, you know, just Middle Eastern population. Uh, it was kind of a reminder for, for my mom of, of back home. Um, you know, after that, I attended the University of Michigan, uh, grad, uh, graduated from, from the University of Michigan with a degree in, in finance, and uh, now I live in Chicago. Yeah, so uh, I, you know, was born and raised in West Africa, Ivory Coast, and uh, then when I was uh, a young child, I moved to Lebanon, so both my parents are Lebanese. I grew up in Lebanon for a bit, and then once I was 14, I moved to Dearborn, Michigan. Uh, I actually have an aunt that lives in Dearborn, Michigan, which is what prompted our decision to move there. Uh, that's where I actually met Zane, so I've known Zane for 10-plus uh, years now. Um, you know, afterwards, attended the University of Michigan, uh, graduated with a business degree, and upon graduation, moved down to Houston, Texas, worked a bit in real estate private equity, then I uh, was feeling a bit lonely, so decided to move back to mm -hmm. the Midwest, join Zane and uh, my other uh, university friend, so moved to Chicago, where I also worked in uh, real estate before starting Safina. Nice. So nice, so you have a, like a mixed background of real estate and business. Correct. Okay. Correct. So what, what um, like with this interesting background, what uh, inspired you to start this venture, uh, you and Zane? Yeah, so I think there's uh, multiple em elements that kind of came together. Uh, first one is we were not extremely satisfied with our corporate jobs. Mm -hmm. In fact, we did not see ourselves in a corporate role. Uh, we were entrepreneurs since as long as we can remember, so we mm -hmm. really wanted to start a company and uh, pursue something that we were passionate about. So the truth is we, we sat down one day and we asked ourselves, what is it that we truly like to do? And uh, one of those answers were we love to eat ice cream. Um, <laughs> and uh, we were a bit disappointed. Who doesn't? <laughs> and it always comes back to food, right? <laughs> always comes back to food, exactly. Um, and uh, we were a bit disappointed with the current offering in the marketplace. So we both live very l healthy lifestyles. Uh, we each have you know, hobbies that either involve rowing, uh, working out, running. And the current offering of healthy ice cream was just terrible ice cream in our opinion. Mm -hmm. So we would end up finding ourselves eating a whole pint of Ben & Jerry's in one sitting, which was delicious, but then you felt terrible afterwards. Right. So <laughs> we uh, thought, you know, why not create a ice cream that did not compromise on health for indulgence, mm -hmm. which is one of the missions of Safina. Nice. Um, the second component is 
moving away from Dearborn, which has a large Middle Eastern population, and uh, moving away from the Middle East, we were kind of feeling nostalgic and yearning for that Middle Eastern cuisine, which we all uh, adore because yeah. it's so so damn good. Uh, and uh, we grew up eating buza, yeah. uh, which is pretty much Middle Eastern ice cream. So our thought process was, well, why has no one tried to commercialize buza in the U.S.? As mm -hmm. in, why has no one tried to package it in a pint and sell it in the retail shelves right. and make it available to more people as opposed to it's currently available in specific shops throughout the city or throughout the country. So that's kind of this confluence of elements that led to the creation of Safina, which is one, uniting a culture or bringing in you know, a new part of the Middle Eastern cuisine to the U.S. and making it available to more people, and two, creating a product that was healthier. Absolutely. So let me jump in with a question here. What is the main difference between the American ice cream and what we call in the Arab world booza? Yeah, so it's, uh, it's honestly a few factors. Um, uh, the first of which is we don't use any eggs in our, in our ice cream in the Middle East. Um, so that kind of, uh, right off the bat, is, is a, a little bit healthier for you. Um, the second thing is kind of two plant-based ingredients that are unique to Buza that nobody else in the world uses. Uh, the first of which is Sahlab, mm -hmm. which is the ground bul bulb of the ultra plant that mainly comes from Turkey. And the second one's called mastic, which is a tree resin that comes from Greece. Uh, now, once you add those two ingredients into the uh, buza, uh, you end up with a product that is a little more elastic, uh, mm -hmm. has a different mouthfeel, and mm -hmm. also extremely creamy uh, because of those plant-based ingredients. Okay. And does the change of ingredients make it healthier, heavier, easier, smoother, like... Yeah. How does that play in? So, you know, it doesn't necessarily make it, uh, you know, because the... the uh, Booza in the Middle East is not necessarily healthier than the ice cream here. Um, uh, you know, it just depends what kind of, like, the fat and the sugar you put into it. Um, our booza that we have, we have a, a, a kind of uh, modern revitalization of the old recipe where we made it healthier, where we realized mm -hmm. a lot of that creaminess that comes from the plant-based ingredients, um, we can layer out a lot of the fat and a lot of the sugar and still have an indulgent product. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of what makes our product a little more unique um, and a little different from the mainstream booza that you get from the Middle East. But also it stays true to its roots where if you were to consume it, uh, you know, you wouldn't be able to, to tell that much of a difference from the original authentic product. Yeah, and to kind of expand about both the health component, the health component and the authentic component, our flavors were inspired by, you know, ingredients and flavors that are available throughout the Middle East. And it just happens that a lot of those flavors are naturally sweets. Mm -hmm. So sweet. So for example, we have figs and chocolate chips and Love dates and almond, <laughs> uh, which are both just mm -hmm. naturally sweet, mm -hmm. which allows us to layer out a lot of the sugar that mm -hmm. becomes unnecessary to mm -hmm. kind of create that sweetness in ice cream. And as a result, we can reduce <coughs> the calories significantly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Interesting. We tried your ice cream. It's, it's pretty, pretty good, especially the original one, uh, the... Um, uh, the vanilla uh, original booza uh, still still has the same delicious uh, taste, but it's healthier and less calories, wh which is pr uh, pretty interesting. To want to know, like the challenges that that you guys faced uh, uh, kickstarting your venture, like what are the challenges? Why you chose Chicago to come to Chicago and start this company? Uh, why not uh, Michigan when you guys grew up? Mm -hmm. And um, what are the positive uh, stuff you took uh, starting this company? 
Yeah. So before starting this company, uh, we need to develop the idea further. So the whole process of taking the original recipe of Buza and making it healthy actually took us a whole year. Mm -hmm. So we spent a whole year, you know, kind of experimenting in our own little kitchen here on Michigan Avenue. Uh-huh. And just trying, you know, iteration after iteration after iteration. And you guys are doing this yourself. Yeah. Ourself. And, and granted, that was when we had our corporate jobs where, oh. you know, he was working in private equity. I was working in banking. So we'd come uh-huh. back home. You know, it's and super late. Yeah, and get down on some booza. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> you, you, you pretty much stay up all night making booza. Yeah. And, and the first iterations were just blocks of ice. But uh, <laughs> let we'll keep going on that. On yeah. That front. So, you know, and obviously we don't come from food and beverages background. And uh, I wouldn't even consider ourselves that good of cooks. Yeah. Uh, and ice cream turned out to be a much more complex product than you would think. There's a lot of chemistry involved. So we had to learn a lot about the chemistry and the recipe formulation mm. so that we can approach it in a very scientific manner. So we had a multitude of iterations uh, of the ice cream. Uh, and, you know, what led kind of the goal was constantly this mission where we could not compromise on healthful indulgence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We did not want to create what was already on the marketplace, which is healthier products that are not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, and that involved just trying it again and again and again, uh, bringing in our friends to have a few fun focus groups, uh, getting all that feedback, mm-hmm. internalizing that feedback, adjusting the recipe accordingly, and then kind of trying again and again and again. Afterwards, we finally had a product that we were satisfied with, and How I long did it take before one of your friends was like, hmm, this is actually good? Uh, Quite a while. Yeah, a few months. <laughs> a few months before we quit our jobs. So we quit our jobs in at the end of June. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we started on this full-time technically on July 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was like a few months before that when people really started seeing, um, you know, our vision come to life, you know, in front of them. Um, the first time we invited our friends over, it was pretty bad. Yeah, um, <laughs> you know, you could see in their face that they didn't really like the product, but they yeah. didn't want to. They're tell starting you to be supportive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and th- you have to be very careful with some of the ingredients, uh, one of which is mastic. Mm. So, mm. as good as mastic is to the texture and to adding herbal notes to the flavor, if you use too much of it, it tastes like chewing gum. Yeah, oh, and uh, uh, it's it's an acquired taste, but if some people usually don't like it. So mm. that was kind of one of the issues that we had to overcome. Yeah. And then finding just other substitutes to the sweetness, that also was a, uh, an obstacle that we had to overcome. But you know, once we, we were close to finalizing our product, we started involving other parties, primarily with the marketing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to design the pint, uh, mm-hmm. what we wanted to include on the pint. And we also wanted to remain authentic to our second mission, which is introducing a new culture. Uh, beyond just the product, but to the different traditions and the different arts. So a lot of the designs on our packaging were inspired by Middle Eastern architecture. So just trying to kind of communicate that to the designer and have her kind of utilize her creative capabilities to put that on the packaging, that was a process of itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so once we had the product and once we kind of had the design of the packaging, uh, it was time to start creating the business, just mm-hmm. establishing the structure. And that involved learning a lot about the supply chain. Uh, So pretty much how can we take uh, our process of cooking this product at home and scaling it to a commercial level? Mm -hmm. What are the necessary equipment required? Mm -hmm. Uh, What are the necessary capital investments that need to be made? And what are the different avenues where we can get those equipments and where we can eventually sell our product to? Mm -hmm. Um, And we can jump into this further, but the regulations aspect of things was definitely a challenge. Uh, there's a lot of regulations that need to be addressed as it pertains to ice cream, more specifically dairy. Right. So one of our main issues was we didn't want to create a store. 
uh, as a result, we either needed to build our own kitchen or operate out of a shared kitchen. Mm -hmm. And it's just much more cost effective to operate out of a shared kitchen. Absolutely. But, you know, don't want to get into more of the details, but getting it working in a shared kitchen requires a lot more, you know, regulations that need to go through. Uh, so we had to find, for example, a kitchen that had an enclosed room. We could not do so. That kind of kicked us back a whole month. Uh, so we eventually had to operate at night as if the whole kitchen would be part of an enclosed room. Mm, so oh now wow. we cook from 10 p.m. until 4 a.m. every day. Oh, um, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. <laughs> so you cannot do during the day because yeah. it has to be completely Secluded. closed for you guys. Yeah. Exactly. Wow. Uh, another issue that we faced was the milk need to be pasteurized. Um, so initially our thought process was we would send the base to uh, a farm and they would add the milk, pasteurize it, bring us back, back the base so we churn it. Uh, that did not work because Buza is just so elastic. They actually clogged up their machines. <laughs> uh, as a result, we needed to become a dairy manufacturing facility to pasteurize our own base. Uh, so just the process of getting your business licenses and it requires certification to eventually make this product was definitely a challenge that took much longer uh, than expected. Um, so that's kind of... Uh, but the fact that you guys, uh, like, like even though with these challenges, uh, mm -hmm. like I would expect a lot of people to uh, just maybe pivot to another idea, but, yeah. uh, but, but the fact that you guys kept on going yeah. uh, to get uh, to overcome these uh, these obstacles is pretty impressive. Yeah, thank uh, you. Bec uh, because especially in Illinois, especially Chicago, we know that they have way more extra uh, policies and um, uh, licensing you need to do to start, especially in the food business. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, here in Chicago is the the toughest uh, city to start a, a food truck. Actually, really? so uh, they have a lot of. Mm, a lot of policies, a lot of uh, fees, a lot of uh, licensing you need to go through, but mm -hmm. uh, pretty impressive, guys. Yeah. Did you guys use any resources that Chicago can provide that other cities cannot? Like, for example, back to question, like, why Chicago, not Michigan, for example? Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. so the, the beauty about Chicago is, and a lot of, uh, one thing that a lot of people take for granted is um, this is a hub for food and beverage, um, you know, startups. Mm -hmm. Um, just like they have like Silicon Valley with tech, you know, down in Cali, um, Chicago is well known and, and I mean really established when it comes to the food and beverage space, um, uh, startups in particular. Uh, you know, one one resource that we off the bat used was the Hatchery. Uh, that was a pretty pretty solid resource where the people were really helpful. Uh, you know, they had their connections throughout the, the the industry. You know, they had connections with plenty of other founders and and, and startups. And they threw on these classes where we can, you know, go and take the classes and kind of learn about certain aspects of starting a business, for example. Um, so that was one resource we one resource we used. Um, but another resource that was invaluable for us was, you know, as we went to market, uh, you know, our product in, uh, you know, like made in Chicago or other markets around the city, you'd meet a lot of entrepreneurs that are going through the same thing you're going through, that are struggling mm -hmm. through the same struggles that you're uh, experiencing, and mm -hmm. just having that community um you know where everybody has each other's back and learning from each other that's 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 one thing that's probably the biggest thing that um helped us along the way interesting interesting and to add to chicago i think there's a reason why there's a lot of motivated entrepreneurs in this city uh beyond just its beautiful architecture and uh amazing but not so great weather 
Uh, I think just the people of I, Chicago. I, I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, it's people uh, and the pride that they take in their product and in their companies and in the businesses here uh, is just invaluable. Um, mm. You know, the consumers here are more than happy to represent a local company and spend their money buying local products mm -hmm. uh, just so that they can see the people of their city succeed and take it to the next level. Interesting. Um, Interesting you say that. Do you also think that because Chicago is a pretty diverse city, pretty international city, then people are more willing to try products that they're not familiar with? Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. I think that the diversity kind of brings to light a lot of the differences in cultures and the experiences mm -hmm. that a person living in Chicago mm -hmm. can actually go through yeah. as opposed to other cities in the U.S., which creates this intrigue in the people of Chicago that they would like to be more universally connected. Yeah. And one of the best ways to be universally connected is through food, which is a language that we can all understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and kind of hoppy off that, you know, uh, Mohammed mentioned earlier that one of the things we're trying to do with our product is, uh, you know, the, the whole no compromise with health and indulgence. But uh, the, the way we, another trend that we see food going in terms of uh, the way people interact and perceive food, um, people want to um, understand the meaning behind their food, uh, where it comes from. They, there, there has to be more of an interaction between them and the, the food that they consume. Uh, food is no more uh, a meaning of sustenance where you just eat it to kind of just fill yourself up. Um, and that's one thing um, we see in Chicago. A lot of people actually, when they interact with our product, they're just as interested in the product itself in terms of, you know, just the inherent characteristics of the product uh, as well as the, you know, where it came from, the story behind it. So that, that's also a really cool thing to be on that trend and, and be able to further that trend. So, so talking about that, uh, so um, me and, uh, and Malik, we know as uh, founders of uh, Chicago and Arabic that Chicago is one of the, uh, the major cities in the U.S. that has big Arabic population. Uh, there's around like 200,000 uh, Arabic-speaking uh, residents here in Chicago and the near suburbs. So, uh, f so as your your customers, mm -hmm. you guys are focusing more to reaching this big community, or uh, you want to reach like the general population here, like Americans and and other uh, communities here. Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously. The Middle Eastern consumer is a consumer of ours, primarily because they are familiar with the product itself being mm -hmm. Guza. Exactly. Uh, and therefore, there is a connection, primarily a nostalgic connection. Mm -hmm. Just like we were feeling and yearning nostalgic to Guza, they are most likely yearning and feeling nostalgic to Guza as well. Mm -hmm. And our product is kind of an avenue for them. Uh, so we're definitely targeting that consumer. But the goal, again, is to take this product beyond the Middle Eastern consumer and kind of introduce it to the larger population uh, and more specifically to the American consumer. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways that we're currently doing that is really through our marketing and even through our flavors. Mm -hmm. uh, so in our flavors, instead of just using one ingredient to create the flavor, for example, figs, we decided to create a fusion, uh, figs and chocolate chips. Mm -hmm. And therefore you're kind of connecting a flavor that the American consumer is used to and you're utilizing the original flavor that the Middle Eastern population is used to, and therefore mm -hmm. you're kind of bridging the gap and making a conversion between those two type of consumers. Interesting, interesting. The American population needs a lot of uh, awareness and education. Yeah. Uh, uh, so during your, your marketing and during your 
your effort to to advertise your product are you taking any special measures to to educate people about your new product yeah um so it's, it's a it's a you know inherently the product if you, if you know, if people want to look at our packaging it has like kind of geometric designs mm -hmm. and has a little excerpt on the side and, and you know the logo is also uh, symbolic of, of you know what we're trying to do it's a ship like a storytelling uh, kind yeah, of yeah exactly, exactly. The, the word itself yeah means ship. yeah uh -huh. so uh, you know inherently from the product packaging that's when the education starts mm -hmm. uh, because mm -hmm. you know Mo and I can't always be there to talk to the customer right. give out samples right. and such um, and then we want to engage the customer through that medium and then bring bring them on to our other uh, you know mediums such as uh, you know social media right. we try to do flavor spotlights and kind of introduce people to like you know for example what right. does Arabic, co Arabic coffee symbolize in, in our culture it's a big cornerstone mm -hmm. of social interaction um, and then that kind of extends into our website where you know recently we've been doing this where every month we send out a newsletter to people who um, are on our list, uh, mm -hmm, signed mm -hmm. up to our list, where we focus on one country in the Middle East and kind of give you a brief rundown where within 10 minutes you can kind of get to know the country, uh, certain unique attributes of it, and, okay. you know, cool facts. Mm -hmm. So if you, you know, you're into that, sign up to our newsletter. That would be, be a pretty cool Oh, yeah, thing absolutely. We'll, we'll absolutely. share it with our audience. Yeah. And as much as we are trying to educate the consumer, we're trying to educate ourselves mm -hmm. uh, on the aspect of business. Right. As we previously mentioned, we come from finance background, mm -hmm. and we might have had some limited exposure to marketing, mm -hmm. uh, but we are trying our best to kind of improve ourselves. Yeah. And uh, that kind of ties everything together in which it's a function of, you know, the available information to you online and then the experiences of other entrepreneurs mm -hmm. that have kind of gone through the same journey yeah. and sharing, you know, their word of wisdoms in a sense. I see. Right. Um, so pivoting is not just, you know, at the product level or the company level, mm -hmm. it's at the personal level as well. Right, mm -hmm. right. So looking forward, what is one thing that will help you guys move to the next level? Yeah, so I think uh, we have to define what the next level means. Uh, so in our opinion, the next level is to, so to tell you a bit about our business model, uh, we originally launched online. So we have our website, which makes ice cream available to the consumers, uh, you know, direct to consumers. We have a local delivery service, and we also ship throughout the United States with UPS and we recently got into our 11th store. So the next step is to kind of uh, increase our uh, our store footprints mm -hmm. to be available in every single neighborhood in Chicago and throughout the suburbs of Chicago. Nice. And if we can, potentially, depending on the timeline that we're discussing, we would like to expand further into the Midwest. Mm -hmm. uh, we know we've received a lot of attention from New York and uh, California, but I think they're just logistically too far for mm -hmm. us right. for now. Uh, so just trying to make this available uh, to as many people in as many retail stores. Mm -hmm. uh, and in order for us to get to that level, uh, we kind of need uh, what I would say, you know, a sense of validation. So a lot of people have tried the product and they've loved it. And uh, it's always amazing to hear consumers kind of coming back to you and tell you, we really appreciate it, we love it, and now this product is part of our lives. That's really why we, we do this. Nice. Um, so it would be interesting to see if, uh, you know, organization like Chicago and Arabic mm -hmm. and... Uh, or any other influencer of a uh, certain magnitude uh, can uh, take on this product, give it a try, mm -hmm. and uh, hopefully they enjoy it. And then they'll kind of give the product validation. Uh, so you either have like kind of the influencer aspect of it, or uh, what we're currently working on is trying to get into a larger store. So we've been kind of targeting a lot of independent retail stores, which have been very receptive 
to the product. Mm -hmm. But I feel like once we get into one of the major chains, uh, the product itself will gain much more validation mm -hmm. uh, that it now is accepted mm -hmm. uh, as part of the typical ice cream aisle um, you know, offerings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. from, from a technical perspective, um, and this is kind of more broad for any entrepreneurs out there that are starting their company, um, right now at this stage we're in, we're, I can see it's like we're pretty much small batch. You know, we're making this by hand. And, you know, we do have commercial equipment, but we still make it ourselves. Um, so one key thing, is, and it's a kind of uh, a balancing act between consistency to the consumer, uh, you know, offering very consistent offering in, in terms of the product, but also being able to understand when you should pivot and change the way you approach things um, just so that you can always keep up with your consumers. Um, so that's one thing. Um, the second thing is from, from a cash uh, perspective, um, you know, you only have so much money in the bank so make sure you use it in a way that will, mm -hmm. you know, give you the most bang for the buck. Right. Um, and for us, the way that we're going to do things is instead of trying to build our own kitchen and, get, and buy bigger equipment, um, eventually we're going to, you know, hit up a co-packer that already is established and will take mm -hmm. a little sliver of, of, of you know, uh, of money of, off each pint that's produced. Um, we're also talking distributors to kind of get that rolling. So uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, one, one saying I always like to use is standing on the shoulders of giants. Mm -hmm. um, utilizing what other people have built and making those connections and, and, you know, getting some more meaning out of them than something you're able to do yourself. That's awesome. So I bet you guys are seeing more change and more growth day by day. Yeah. yeah. So where ideally, mm -hmm. say today is January 1st, 2020, where would you like to see yourself at? Um, 2020. Yeah. So uh, I, ideally <laughs> would be uh, no pressure, but national you know. availability. Um, okay. So hopefully we can get picked up by one of the major chains and be available throughout the U.S. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously, in order for us to be there, it'll involve some of the aspects that Zane talked about, which will involve, which is primarily expanding our production capacity mm -hmm. uh, and then expanding our marketing capacity. And hopefully, uh, right now Zane and I are the only two employees of the company, so we kind of do all functions and we carry ourselves. So if we're able to get to that level, that'll involve bringing on more people into the company and growing Safina as a company. Um, so that's really what would be really nice to see. Yeah, I mean, what I would like to see is, um, you know, us kind of staying true to what we've created and not lose the identity. Um, you know, some at some certain points, you know, you can grow so big, you'll, uh, you know, you start focusing on different things that... Uh, Compromise your quality. Exactly. Compromise yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, I want to, you know, have a company at that time that is not only you know large like Mohammed said there's always the goal for for business to grow grow mm -hmm. grow um, but I want us to stay true to what we've created and uh, stay true to the consumers that we've uh, you know engaged along the way so reaching this point you guys uh, need to have two options uh, so you want to do bootstrapping or investors um, well, right now, the, the money that's available in the company mm -hmm. is part of our savings. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, thankfully, we were able to live very frugally during our finance years mm -hmm. and uh, saved enough to kickstart this process and take us through, I would say, the first year or two. Mm -hmm. um, however, if we see that this company is really taken off and there is a great potential to it, which we truly believe, uh, especially given the missions that we have set to ourselves, mm -hmm. Um, we would definitely be open to the idea of raising more capital. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Have you been approached by somebody who is interested in investing? We've not yet, um, but this is one thing to note about food and beverage companies. Um, one of the beauty about this uh, specific industry is you can pretty much build a business that goes national and you'll give away very little amounts of equity. 
and that's because if you're you know if you're very sa- you know financially savvy and, and from an operational perspective operational perspective excuse me you know what you're doing um, you know you're able to manage your cash flow the right way to grow through you know the, nice. the, the money the business is making mm-hmm. so you know one goal for me personally and, and you know I've talked I talked to Mo about this is when we do become that national brand I want us to kind of not have um, much equity given away you know I, I want uh, you know this business to grow by means of um, kind of the means of the businesses the cash flow is generated so exactly. we'll see how that goes but you know there's there's an opportunity to, to grow much faster and you have guys a are open capital for infusion it. yeah of course okay good good perfect um, do you have any more questions for them no I mean my only thing that I always wonder is having gone through this process you know over the time that you guys have spent doing it going back to day one is the one thing that you wish you've done on day one and and just consider this like an advice for somebody who's you know thinking along the same lines what is one thing that took you guys a while to understand that you'd wish you know on day one so I think uh, it's 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 very important to speak to the consumer and to really understand uh, what the consumer means uh, so initially when we were thinking uh, uh, developing our flavors we, we tried to be as exotic as we could be and the consumer kind of was like yes I want something exotic give me as exotic as it can however we've noticed that as exotic as you know the consumer wants it to be at the end of the day uh, ice cream is a product that they consume potentially once a week and when they consume it they're very selective in what they pick up um, so uh, you have to be kind of mindful of that aspect of things in which there's something that they want, but then if they, there's something that they're willing to spend their money on. Right. So if you're able to bridge those two by truly listening to your consumer and truly understanding how those trends eventually line up with what the consumer is spending money on, and you can adjust your product accordingly without compromising the authentic uh, idea behind your company, uh, then that's definitely going to be important for your success. And it's going to kind of shorten the aspect of it. Yeah. Um, you know, I'll keep this brief, but, you know, in terms of starting a company, a lot of the battles you fight are in your head. Um, it's the mental side of things. Um, so for any uh, entrepreneur starting in their path, and even if I was to, you know, give myself advice from back in the past, uh, I'd say limit my optimism because there's, all be, there's <laughs> always going to be something to kind of crush whatever <laughs> optimistic hopes that you have. And that's part of starting a business because, uh, you know, th- things are going to come up and they're everything's going to go wrong and it's just a matter of just problem solving. So just stay grounded, uh, go, go at it day by day and don't be optimistic, but just don't, you know, don't let yourself get too wild in that department. That's really awesome. I mean, we really believe in you guys. We love your energy and your dedication for your product. And we encourage everybody who's listening today to try um, Safina Buza and sign up for your newsletter, learn more about what you guys have to, to share with them. And thank you again for, for coming here. Yeah, yeah uh, one final thing uh, for our listeners to know, in which stores you are available uh, at this moment? Yeah, so I can you know list all those stores, uh, but to be honest, it would probably be easier for the consumer to go on our website, uh, www.safinaicecream.com, and uh, we have a retail tab that has a, a map and a list of all the retail Perfect. stores that we're in. Great. Uh, so definitely check us out. Th- thank you guys for coming. Yeah, thank, thank you for having us. Thank you for, having, thank us. You for thank having us.